Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. On the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. Hello and welcome to the Bechdel cast. I'm your host, Caitlin Durante. I'm your other host, Jamie Loftus. And we have a podcast about the portrayal of women in movies. It's not this one. It's a different one. It's a different one. (laughs) (laughs) We're starting off hot. Yeah, we're doing, oh, man. Coming in hot. Hot, 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 hot. Coming in hot today. I uh, I kept telling myself I'm going to stop calling myself the other host. Yeah, but I'm, I do, I'm othering myself. You know, you are, I, I I just try to. I no, it's not your fault. It's my fault. Yeah, it's a self-esteem I mean, thing. Don't no, but I keep casting myself as the B character in my own story. It's like Jamie, what are you doing? Yeah, don't do that. You're like a, a uh, who's a star? <laughs> I can't who's a star? remember a single <laughs> a star? movie star. <laughs> I'm Natalie Portman. I'm not Mila Kunis. Right. That dirty. Okay, this is the Bechdel this cast. We love women. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens when our guests are late. I hit the mics hard too hard before we start, and yeah. then the opening is a disaster. Normally, I'm very together for the opening, and then it goes down. And then it, yeah. Let's just intro our guest then. Okay. He is a writer for SpongeBob SquarePants. Hey, cool. And. He is with the Democratic Socialists of America, the Los Angeles chapter. Interesting juxtaposition. Mm-hmm. Josh Androsky. Hello. I'd also like to point out I was a writer for was. SpongeBob SquarePants. <laughs> I did nothing I say currently reflects the values of the Nickelodeon Corporation. I see. Like, look, Whoa. come. <laughs> see? Couldn't say that. They, you can. You got to sneak it in. Yeah, no, we you did. You got to sneak it in. We yeah. snuck in a lot of socialism into that show, too. Okay. Socialism Good. and come. We're off the bat. Let's talk gender roles because I kept trying to get Breitbart and Infowars and shit to get mad at me mm-hmm. for calling Baron Trump a waterhead, mm-hmm. but they only got mad at women that did it. Oh. Right? Because isn't so, that just the way? Huh? That's just the way. It's almost as if it's not at all about the thing. It's just about men that aren't okay with powerful women. Wow, that's isn't that, a lot. That's crazy. 
when you think yeah. about it. I would like to reallocate some things that people are mad at me about and give them to you. I could take them, dude. Yeah. What do I do all day? If I got, got a boogie got board. Space? Yeah. <laughs> put it on my boogie board. Unpack right, cool. and put it onto my boogie board. Wow, what a great transition to the movie we're talking about. Oh, shit. Oh, I thought that was on purpose. No, I just oh, love boogie boards. Wow. Who uses the word boogie with any regularity? Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take the transition. Let's ride that wave. Yeah. Oh, whoa, whoa, Thank whoa. You. I know. Uh, let's see how many bad puns we can squeeze into this episode. I, I mean, squeezing, this is a good... Uh, oh, yeah, that's a fuck. good... It's sex. <laughs> fuck. Yeah. It's squeeze. a sex movie. It's a fuck, it's a fuck squeeze. <laughs> that's, I think, the official genre of yeah. this movie. Fuck squeeze. Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, fuck squeeze. Hell anyway, yeah. if you haven't guessed... The, Heart well, eight. Or... <laughs> <laughs> the movie is Boogie Nights. Written and directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. And all his high school friends, if you want to believe some of the stories. Oh, I haven't heard those stories. That he stole the whole movie. He made it with his friends and then was like, bye, and then like made it himself. But just, you know, typical man. I would like to say right off the top, I don't trust three names. (laughs) I never have trusted three names. I never will trust three names. I enjoy this film. I perhaps enjoy this three names creative output. Sure. But I would never trust him with my life. A lot of the cast of the movie has three names because you've got... Jonathan Taylor Thomas. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Michael Clark Duncan. (laughs) Marky Mark Wahlberg. That's three names. (laughs) Well, if you count someone using their middle initial as a third name, you've got your John C. Reilly's, your William (gasps) H. Macy's. Oh, wow. And you've got Philip Seymour Hoffman. I'm exhausted. Julie Ann Moore. (laughs) Right. Heather, Vroom Vroom Graham, that's four. Something I'll be bringing up a lot in this particular episode is, guess who doesn't have three names? Alfred Molina. Mm, Just a bunch of syllables, but only two names. I love Love him him. in this movie. (laughs) I also am 100% just going to gently flick my bean to all his scenes (laughs) in Feud tonight. Mm. So, Josh, when did you first see the movie? I saw this movie as part of like that like awakening that you have when you're like 14 mm-hmm. and you're like I'm an adult <laughs> where you're just like these movies define me and everything I'll talk about for the next 6 years. Yeah. And so yeah, so I was like 14 or 15 mm-hmm. and I saw it when he says Dirk Diggler and the sign comes on and like it explodes and it's so big like that was what the movie did to my brain. Wow. Yeah. The sign comes. This, yeah. Basically. My head jizz. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it again uh, around the same age. I might have been a little older. I think I was 16. Uh, I just knew it was one of those movies that was very iconic. And I was like, I got to watch this if I'm going to be a, a film major at mm-hmm. Penn State. Uh, so I saw it when I was Bam. in high school to to prepare for all the you know movies I would need to know about. <laughs> and much like Penn State, this movie also features a prominent old white pedophile. <laughs> yes. Oh, it's sad when he cries though. Oh, it oh, is. It is. In, you're uh, my friend. Tell me yeah. Say that you're my friend. No. And then the scene that I'm I didn't remember when he's like in jail and he's like oh, getting yeah. beaten up by his cellmate. I didn't remember that scene. Oh, the beat up montage <laughs> where three of the main characters get just get wallowed. Yeah. I saw it for the montage. first time then. And then I uh, didn't watch it again until 
maybe a few months ago, uh, I was like, oh, I got to see this movie again. It's been a very long time. And then, uh, and then I rewatched it twice, as I always do in preparation for mm-hmm. every episode, because I <laughs> care too much. It's hard when you set a bar, <laughs> you know, <sighs> man. It's not a because then a I've got to get fifty percent of the way there, and, and I'm challenged by that. <laughs> <laughs> when had you seen it first? Uh, I saw maybe a half hour of it in high school when my dad used to do this really funny thing or after we fall asleep, he would watch the Sundance channel because we couldn't afford the, what are the sexy channels? We couldn't afford those. Oh, like the premium, like HBO? Spice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my my dad would seek out titties on the Sundance channel mm. at night and, and, and one <laughs> Hold night. On. I'm sorry. No, I have to. We need to give that a moment. Just like the last thing you just said, you just have to say it one more time, and I'm really sorry to interrupt. Okay, okay. Uh, my dad would seek out titties on the Sundance channel. Thank you. At night. <laughs> Uh, and then sometimes I would be like, I can't sleep. I'm going to go down and hang out with my dad. And one time he was watching Boogie Nights. And before he realized all the disgusting things were about to happen, he's like, yeah, this is my favorite movie. Oh. And then I watched it for like 14 minutes. And we saw all these. It was the scene with Julianne Moore's like sweet little pink nip. And I was like, all right, this is where I'm going to tap out and go upstairs. And he kept watching. And then I watched it. It took me like 10 years to sleep that off, but <laughs> I watched it again and I like it. One of the first times I saw Titanic after it had come out on VHS, I was watching it in my living room and my dad came in and it was like the nude drawing scene mm-hmm. and he didn't walk away. So we were just sitting there. And I think it was also in that same moment that I asked him what foreplay was because I legitimately had no idea what oh, that word meant. No. And he stuttered and stumbled and then walked away. And yep. I was like, okay, well, at least I got what I wanted in terms of him not being in the room with me during this <laughs> sex scene. How old were you? 27. <laughs> uh, I must have been like 12. Okay. I had heard the word and I was like, I don't know what that means. And yeah. so I... Just thought it was a very innocent question. Turns right. Because you knew what fingering was when you were 12. I, yeah. I know. Everybody, I think so. everybody yeah. knows what fingering is. No. Come on. Do I you think... know what it is now? No. <laughs> it's like, okay, imagine your I'm body is a Twitter banjo. Poll. I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. <laughs> no, I didn't. Well, I, I think maybe we've talked about that. I didn't know what any sex things were until they were happening, happening to me. me. <laughs> As an in real time learner, mm-hmm. I told you how. Yeah, I did because the guy I was talking about texted me and was like, "Hey, why did you say that?" The oh, guy the guy who, who you thought invented oral sex on women. Yeah, and I thought he was, <laughs> and I thought he was a pervert. Yeah, how I, dare you? I thought oh, what, he listens to the podcast. He's a bit. Yeah, shout out to Stephen who I thought invented <laughs> oral sex at some point. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, we uh, we're still we're still tight. What is the movie we're talking about? It's Boogie Nights. Let me give you the uh, famous Caitlin's recap or whatever it is called. This movie, it's like an ensemble cast, but the focus is a character uh, named Dirk Diggler, played by Mark Wahlberg. And he is a 17-year-old kid working at a nightclub. He sort of gets scouted by this adult filmmaker. He's both an adult and he makes adult films, <laughs> just in case you were confused. Well, because one adult makes child films uh, <laughs> right. that's revealed later, so that is a good distinction. It yeah. is, it, uh, yeah, films for and by children. It's like Kids Bop. Mm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. 
Jack Horner, right? Yes. Jack Horner. And he's like, hey, you should work with me. And he's like, okay. Uh, and then they see his dick and it's huge. And they're like, oh, yeah, we definitely want to work. Like, we got to employ this hog. <laughs> When did the word hog come into the vernacular? Because I was waiting for there to be a line in this movie that was like, sweet hog, you know, <laughs> and it never came. I don't know when that happened. I feel like it was a different scene, like a different, a different social scene. I feel like there were right? people, there were people at Altamont talking about hogs. There had hogs. to be. I feel like that was, you know, the 70s is where the phrase hog would well, yeah, maybe drive. Like, like maybe like a Ken Kesey, like, you know, Portland bikers. It's like, you know, like, oh, I don't want to call it a cork. I don't want to call it a crank. There's got to be something that's softer, but gets the point across. And then he. What about a, a large farm animal? All right, I'm narrow it down. Okay, uh, uh, big he goat. No heifer. <laughs> he no, that's that's uh, that implies female. Yeah, right, right, right. Uh, oh, God. Uh, oh. Horse. No, close. Pony. Nope. Wait, back. You were closer with horse, but just Miniature with the name. Miniature horse, but horse big. Hig. Okay, we're so close. Okay, wait. <laughs> There's got to be another vowel we can put in here. Hug. All right, guys. <laughs> I know I've said this a lot today. Hag. But we're the next one we say, I think we're going to do it. And by the way, we're all bikers and we're all out of our minds on speed right now. <laughs> right. Okay. One, two, three. Hug. Hug. I think we got it. We did it. <laughs> great hogs, everybody. We've all had our hogs out this mm. entire time. Yep. I'm a great bright beautiful shining star hey to all the perverts listening right now uh hope your hogs have been out because yeah. uh we expect that of you hogs out baby hogs out welcome to the back to <laughs> right the... you gotta start the every wait do you have a catchphrase yet for your podcast uh grow up right well now you got another one and it's hogs out it's the back to hogs out grow up yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the rest of the story. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The summary. Who cares? I know. <laughs> Basically, he's like, my name's Dirk now, not Eddie. And uh, I'm going to make these adult films. And he, like, rises to superstardom in the porn industry. And everyone loves him. And it's huge dick. And then he starts doing a bunch of coke. And he has, like, everyone has sort of, like, this fall from grace. At the end of the 70s. And there's a starting of the 80s that all goes to shit. Right, exactly. Literally, moment one of 1980 mm -hmm. is the when it all goes to shit. Um, and then there's all these secondary characters that each have their own subplot. Reed Rothschild. A.K.A. Chest Rockwell. Right. Yeah. A.K.A. John C. Riley, A.K.A. Young okay. Han Solo. Not to uh, objectify John C. Riley, but I'm going to go for it. Uh, it is so weird to see John C. Riley with like a tight little bod and the same hairline as he has today. <laughs> from yeah. the head up, he's current John C. Riley, and then from the neck down, he's like a babe. Uh huh. It's confusing. Yes. He's got a subplot where he, you know, wants to be a magician. Mm -hmm. And, uh, oh, God. <laughs> that just like hits really close to home for me in a way that makes me want to flip a table. Why? Why? Why is it? Hit? Because I feel like I'm drawn to people who secretly want to be magicians, oh. and and it's just a vile habit. I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was at a bar in college at again Penn State. Oh, and, whoop whoop whoop! Uh, Those are the sirens, right? <laughs> Those are the police coming. This guy was doing card tricks, and then his friend was doing like mentalism stuff. No, and I was so oh I love god. magic, so I was like, Oh my god, I love this! You guys want to <laughs> go? Love. I asked 
neither of them in particular. I just sort of posed the question at both of them. And I said, do Mm -hmm. you want to go on a date? And because they weren't sure who the question was directed at, they both showed up. So I went on a, like three-way date with these guys two magicians yeah one magician and a mentalist one magician one mentalist are you sure this wasn't a nightmare you had this was real life or an episode of solomon king's red shoe diaries (laughs) oh no i mean it was fun they did magic tricks the whole time no they didn't they did no they didn't and then did uh, they pull anything out of their hats they pulled their hogs out they pull out their hogs? From their hogs hats? Out. Hogs out. Did they both pull their hogs out? No, that didn't happen. Oh, I was like, oh. this is a wild story. I love it. I'm like going to make my penis disappear. <laughs> and then it just recedes into his body. <laughs> it or... comes out the other guy's mouth. <laughs> wow. I would want to see that trick. Yeah, me too. Oh, love a good trick. <laughs> I took clowning classes once. Oh boy! For okay, uh, <laughs> for love, <laughs> I found my inner clown. And wait, got... was this different from the puppeteering classes you took? No. Different thing. Different oh my thing. god, Jamie! Different thing. <sighs> this is around the same time, probably the same calendar year. Trouble, uh-huh. Troubling year for me. Maybe. Yes. But I took the I took the puppet classes, and then amazingly the. The, the puppeteer who was 10 years older than me never fell in love with me, mm-hmm. who lived in the attic of the puppet theater. Right. So then I was like, all right, let's be mature. Let's move on. Hold and on. Then... Is this like a Phantom of the Puppera situation? <laughs> is this... he, was he disfigured? Did he no, use his puppets to talk because like he couldn't me. see your face? Oh. It's not Phantom of the Opera if he doesn't give a fuck about you. That's yeah. no fun. <laughs> and it's just a guy who lives in a dank place. With a weird face. With a weird face and a lot of puppets. And then the and then I was like, all right, now I have a crush on a clown, <laughs> and I took his clown class. And gang, I was the star of the class. Wow. I was teacher's pet at the clown class, <laughs> and then uh, I never saw him again. Huh. <laughs> what movie were we talking about? Who knows? There's a lot of carnival music in Boogie Nights. There is. Just saying. There Michael is. Penn's score, very good. Mm. I believe it was Michael Penn that scored it, and there's a lot of carnival music in it. So this all. This all it checks all ties out. In. This I, all checks out. I was listening to ELO on the way over. Love, Hell yeah. Love ELO. I'm almost at the end of the recap, which has maybe been my worst one yet. But um... <laughs> I don't know. You almost fucked two magicians in the middle I of know. it. So I feel like it's been the best one. <laughs> uh, so everyone has had sort of their fall from grace. Dirk Diggler's like jerking off uh, in front of people for money and then they don't even pay him. They beat the shit out of him instead. Things like that. Happen. Two trucks full of and people then, beat him up. Yeah. Uh, and then everyone realizes, oh, maybe I should stop doing so much coke and, like, maybe get my life back on track. And then, you know, some GEDs are taken and people who need help ask for help. And then everyone sort of has a little kind of comeback. And that's yeah, I was surprised at how pleasant the end of this movie is. Mm-hmm. Like, it's everyone does. Oddly uplifting. Does all right. Yeah. William H. Macy is truly sort of the only victim of the movie. Mm-hmm. Well, and all those guys who got shot. That covered oh. Don Cheadle in blood. Right. But that led to him and his wife, uh, the truly the only two innocent, nice, good, perfect people, other than Scotty. Uh, Scotty. But Scotty is the sin of, uh, of the he, he's too covetous. Mm-hmm. But like truly the only pure people in the movie are uh, Don Cheadle and I forget the actress's name mm-hmm. who plays. He marries um, Jesse St. Vincent? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Who I believe was played by an actual... Adult actress, maybe? Oh. I think so. I'm not sure. Okay. R.I.P. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh. But this is like p- 
peak Philip Seymour Hoffman where the peak. whole movie he's like, what? Why you don't love me? Mm. I'm fucking so idiot. Nice. I'm oh, so that's dumb. Idiot. <laughs> like, I'm fucking idiot. Here's my message to Philip Seymour Hoffman's ghost. Grow up. <laughs> <laughs> here's my message to Philip Seymour Hoffman's ghost. Can I kiss you right now? <laughs> oh, can I kiss you on the mouth? Can please let me. Oh, that's how I Why hit on men. Why on the mouth? <laughs> please, please let me kiss you on the mouth. I found it so disturbing me? that he's like, on the mouth? <laughs> that is one of many very hard scenes to watch in this movie. Yes. The scene, uh, the <clears throat> other one that's especially hard is whenever Roller Girl is in the limo. Oh. Jack Horner and they pick up that guy who she went to high school oh. with and like slut shamed her yeah. in the middle of an exam and then that's when she's like I'm not gonna be in high school anymore yeah she rolls out of the classroom but yeah that scene super where... empowering that's completely flipped like the empowerment Ugh. of that slut shame but also I think led her back to go finish her so it's like a weird circular thing for a woman who wears wheels all the time oh wow <laughs> well I... she's bound to go in circles yeah. What the what? puns are coming back? She <laughs> don't take her roller skates off to have sex. That's cool. I that got is... a brand new pair. Of yeah, <laughs> I love how they fucked to that song. Yep, um, me too. In front of Burt Reynolds. Yep, and <laughs> me too. I have a dream. <laughs> the end of that scene, though, uh, after they get out of the limo and then they beat the shit out of that guy, and then she like stomps him on the face with her roller skates. Yeah. Yes. And I was like, you know what? Good for her. I usually yeah. don't condone violence, but Hell you yeah. stomp that guy in the face. This is the yeah. I like Roller Girl, and she is part of this movie. I was, you know, as a uh, cis het uh, white straight male. Please leave. Uh, yeah, please leave. We're I don't. I don't Trigger. fucking watch the. I don't watch movies like looking for the Bechtel test. You know, it's just not a thing that I think of. But this movie passed it within the first five minutes. There is a like that very. Uh, we'll talk about girl. this toward the end of the oh, thing. Is that so what you do? Stomping on Sorry. our faces with your roller skates. <laughs> That's a good one. Thanks. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll get to that. But um, I have never listened to the podcast, and I showed up twenty five minutes late. <laughs> so typical. Oh, fucked up on my Was that? Was that? My wife. <laughs> this is what the podcast because groove, groovy baby. <laughs> I'm gonna. You ever have that like thought where you're just like, what if I just hit my head so hard on the table I passed out? <laughs> Sometimes that's like a lot of first date thoughts I've had. Uh, oh no! No, this is a fun one. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> so like if you're at dinner with someone, or you know, at a at, at a Denny's perhaps, and you know, you go on first dates at a Denny's. I insist. Okay. <laughs> but anyways, like if you're hand and you're having a bad time and you're like, I, I hate this person. Do you ever think about like taking the knife and just chopping your hand off just to like get them to stop talking? Because then they'd be like, ugh. Wait, speaking of like horrible first dates, I'm going to tell a very quick story that's also very relevant to the movie we're talking bam, bam, bam. about. So I went on a first date in New York City with a guy who turned New out- York City? Well, the same yeah. where dreams go through? Mm-hmm. Concrete jungle where dreams are made of. <gasps> so you were walking here, walking here with this guy. There's nothing you can't do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Grow up. Um, <laughs> so uh, you were on your way to a big and a pizza pie. <laughs> I was like, hey, I'm walking here. Yeah, yeah. I went on a date. We uh, had nothing in common. He was very, very boring. We did briefly talk about uh, what he did for a living, which was he's like, and I'm an actor and a model. Ooh. And I was Why like, okay, cool. What have you been in that I've seen? 
I don't know. It was, it was a match. Dot, he was pretty, which uh, will come into the story later. Uh, I met him on match.com. And um, but like I left the date earlier. It was so miserable that I was like, I can't even I was there for like an hour. And then I was like, I'm going to go home and never talk to you again. Yeah. Fast forward to a year later. Uh, I was living in central Pennsylvania and I got a job as an assistant to a talent scout who scouted for men to be in jerk-off videos for gay porn websites. I think I know where this is going, and I'm so excited. This is how you guys met originally. Yeah. Yeah, the two of us. I scouted you to be in. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. I love this story. First, my name was Beefy Beaver, and then I'm now I'm I've lost some weight and I'm Oopsie Otter. And so it's fun. It's fun. We're having fun. Okay, so uh, we were having a hard time finding people, and I was like, hey, I went on a date with this guy who was, like, very good-looking, like, the type of guy we were looking for. They wanted, like, very chiseled. Abercrombie. Buff. Exactly. And he. I know. I've frequented. (laughs) (laughs) And he fit the description. So uh, I was like, why don't we, like, email him and just see, because he said he was an actor and a model. He might be willing to do this type of work who knows so i still had his phone number and we googled it to see if like an email address would pop up it didn't but what did pop up was like 12 profiles advertising him as a gay for pay male escort i guess the lord must be in new york city (laughs) so i had gone on a date with what turned out to have been a male prostitute yep uh, so we emailed him, or we found there was like a contact page on one of his profiles. It was Midnight like, Cowboy at <laughs> This Is Not a Movie, Jizz. <laughs> he never wrote back though. And I was like, well, why wouldn't you, you do this stuff already? Yeah, maybe he does it for the love of the game. Well, maybe. maybe well, why didn't he do it pro bono then? Or. Uh, I had a gun pointed see, at you. I thought I was going to say boner. Boner? <laughs> uh, hey, should we talk about the movie? Sure. No. Okay. Uh, it is like my favorite movie. If I had to pick, if I if if how somebody... many times do you think you've seen it? Oh God, uh, countless. I mean, like start to finish, not doing anything but watching the movie, probably like twenty. Yeah. Uh-huh. This movie is, at least for me, going to be kind of tricky to talk about. In this context, because the porn industry has historically been based on objectifying people, especially no. women, especially women. Uh, so a movie about this industry is like maybe not going to portray women in the best light if they're like depicting it accurately. But also like this movie doesn't do a terrible job and they do acknowledge there are different points in the story where, like, Dirk Diggler's like, I don't want to see women treated that way. Yeah. And, right. and um, there's a scene when he's about to have his first sex scene with Amber, a.k.a. Julianne, Julianne Moore. Moore. Pink, pink nips. And they're like, okay, here's what you're going to do. And he's like, well, do we just go, like, right into the sex? And he's like, yeah, yeah. And then he, he turns to Amber. He's like, are you okay with that? Like, So he's, yeah. like, yeah. making sure everything that's about to happen is something that she's consenting to. So, you know, that was interesting to see on screen. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, like, not a big deal. Like, it wasn't, like, you know, it wasn't one of those things where it's, like, we're going to talk about consent. But, like, very quietly throughout, like, you could root for Mark Wahlberg because the entire time he was, like – very i feel like uh consenting and and wasn't the monster that you would expect 
somebody that was on that much cocaine and in a porn industry to be. Right. In fact, not a lot of the characters were as villainous as you might think, considering the industry that they were working in. Although, there is that part whenever, like, I think Amber's making a documentary about Mm -hmm. porn, or specifically her colleagues, and she's like, well, what about the violence that's happening toward women in these movies? And she's speaking specifically about the Brock Landers series, and Dirk's just like, well... Like, whatever. That's just what the movie is. Like, that's my character. That's not me. And then Reed Rothschild says something similar. He's like, well, if, you know, if movies cause violence, then we could just eliminate violence altogether by getting rid of movies. And it's like... I feel like that at least is portrayed as, like... Comedy. They're stupid. Yeah, Yeah, right. Exactly. It was played for comedy. That was one of the dumbest moments they had. It was like that and then the when they recorded their song were like their two funniest, stupidest moments, like as friends. That was another scene that was so hard to watch because the... They were so bad at music, and Dirk Diggler is the worst singer. It was so funny. And then they were like, we, we made gold here. If we could just get our tapes, we could have a record deal. And give us our tapes. Because that's everyone we know. I love <laughs> right. delusion. I live for delusion. We will rock you. We will roll you. <laughs> like a little kitten. The tone of this movie is very interesting because it goes from, like, having quite a bit of comic relief to that whole sequence where, like, everyone is, like, they've totally fucked their lives up. And it it starts with William H. Macy shooting his wife and her lover and then himself. Yeah. And then that just becomes this whole sequence where everyone is a disaster. They're all, like, coke-addled and they're jerking off for $10 in front of people. Which they were... In doing it at the beginning as yeah. well. It was a fun full circle moment. Yeah. When he's jerking off for $10 again. We'll all get back there. Sure. But like One this, day. We can hope. So I give myself three weeks. Tra- <laughs> <laughs> in this sequence, it's so tragic. Uh, yeah. And people are getting the shit beat out of them and stuff. But um, so that the tone kind of shifts, but then it, it, it shifts back again toward like the end of the movie where they're all like, hey, it's all right. Wait, I took my GED and I get to be in a, a porn movie again and I'm going to show my dick because mm-hmm. you know, I'm I'm Dirk Diggler and I'm cool. <laughs> but there's so much there's a bunch of like running jokes where one is when. William H. Macy keeps walking in on his wife fucking some other dude and he's like what the hell are you doing and she's just like get out of here yeah you're yeah. embarrassing me well, and that, that has one of my favorite lines one of my favorite lines of the movie which is actually a fuck up that they kept in where um he goes William H. Macy goes up to Ricky J the magician yeah uh, the IRL magician who was in this movie and he goes my wife has an ass in her cock in the driveway yes. yeah. and it's not and he's just so flustered that he says yeah. ass in her cock and mm. that was a fuck up but they kept it in because Paul Thomas Anderson just loved how legit flustered little Bill was in yeah that I caught that and yeah. I wrote it down I was like that is funny yeah. yeah total fuck up by William H. Macy not planned oh man what a fuck up yeah <laughs> he's but- on notice <laughs> with us <laughs> That running joke is like such a classic example of like the rule of three and it's heightened each time. And then at the very end, like how much more can you heighten it besides like murder, suicide? Exactly. But like up until then, it was like a really funny running gag. And but it also it spoke to the power that women had over men in this movie. And that's something that I really tried to watch it, like really uh, focusing on the women in this movie. Because usually I'm a Reed Rothschild. That's how I watch the movie. I watch it from his perspective, like when I was like a teen. Mm, Uh, I I just like the John C. Riley 
and then trying not to be the Philip Seymour Hoffman. <laughs> but I watched how the women affected the men and how they interacted with each other a lot. And women had the power almost throughout the entire movie, except for when the shit hit, like, really hit the skids. Mm-hmm. Was when, like, there weren't that as much, like, women in charge. Like, the whole reason that this happened was because Marky Mark's mom is the most powerful woman in that family. Yeah. You know, like, if you're talking about, like, pure power dynamics. Cuck dad. Cuck dad. And then, like, wanted to fuck her son, maybe? It was weird. Like, there, there was a weird moment in the beginning. Yeah. When he shoves like... her against the wall. I was like, are they going to kiss? Yeah. Please oh, kiss. I did not interpret it that way you didn't at feel all. It? Oh, I felt it. They were just horny for mommies. Yeah. Mm. No, but that, I mean, that was interesting because it's like, you know, the movie's already so long. There was no time to explain why the fi- family dynamic was that way, per se. But it was so, like, it, it heightened so quickly and so intensely. I guess that's like one of the female characters where I was like, why is that, you know, like, why is that the dynamic here? It's I never, understood like, really why they did it for like narrative reasons because right, she's basically yeah. the catalyst that gets him to be like okay i'm gonna choose this path of being a porn and actor. i need a daddy right yeah also yeah a mommy and a daddy right he gets a strong jacked. woman and nothing from yeah so basically amber ends up being his like mother figure and then jack right. horner ends up being his like yeah. father figure and so it, it was kind of upsetting to see his mom his actual mom being such like a shrew and yeah. just such an awful person but i mean that's how some people are so you know i guess it it makes sense and the dad was portrayed just as shitty you know like well he like had no idea how to connect with his son at all or his wife or or the world like you could just tell this guy was like it was one of those things where he just like is staring out of a window and then the scenery behind him changes there's an entire coen brothers movie about that dad yeah oh (laughs) yeah it's a spin-off movie Cuck dad. Cuck daddy. Um, Cuck daddy. (laughs) So, Josh, your point about, like, women kind of being uh, the most powerful force of the movie, I I agree and I disagree. I do like how anytime there's a sex scene, it's often, like, on the women's terms. And they're, like, calling the shots and they're saying, like, don't come inside me. I never take my roller skates off. Blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But in terms of, like, the actual narrative and the portrayal of their stories. Like, so every single character uh, or every, like, main character has their own subplot where Mm -hmm. they have, like, an individual desire, something they're pursuing. So Mm -hmm. you've got, like, Don Cheadle wants to open a stereo store. Right. John C. Riley wants to uh, be a magician, and he's, like, a musician and a poet and stuff like that. That poem. You and me. Oh, my God. You and me sitting under the sugar tree. (laughs) The sugar tree is full of bees. But the bees don't sting. <laughs> oh, it was, yeah. So you have these uh, different male characters who have like these pretty strong desires, whereas the women, in particular, Roller Girl and Amber, they kind of have their subplots are just either like not as clearly defined, or if they do have like a distinct desire, they're not pursuing it that ambitiously or nearly as ambitiously as the men are. So like Amber's character, she has a son. I mean. I, Feel free to disagree with me. Yeah. But um, she has a son and she is trying to like pursue getting him back and it doesn't work out for her. But I don't know. It just it didn't strike me as like being as strong or as a, a prominent part of the story as these other like male subplots were. And the same thing with Roller Girl. To me, she, she she's just, you know, doing the movies. She wants to go back and get her GED eventually. That's something that's revealed because she drops out of high school. Right. But she doesn't really have a definitive 
desire that's like carrying her subplot. I kind of, I kind of disagree with that. Really? I think, I think that they, you know, we could both, we could argue that both these characters have clearly defined goals, but they're just not as successful at achieving them. And and I think that that is like probably part of why this movie reflects this industry and all this stuff. Where you know, for the guys, I feel like it pans out in a more black and white way, mm-hmm. but. I think that with with uh, with Amber, she wants her son, and then we see with the uh, documentary she makes that she also sort of has higher aspirations than just being like That's true. a woman in porn. And uh, neither of those really pan out for her. But it, I, I feel like there is like an aspiration for something more. And and you're right that it's a little bit less defined. But uh, and then Roller Girl with her GED also, you know, like lots of roadblocks but i don't know i i didn't i did think that for sure every uh character's subplot was clearly defined and just for the female characters it didn't tend to work out as black and white i would also say that um their most both of their most intense desires were freedom like the freedom to do what they want as women Mm -hmm. you know i think that that was like really the crux of amber's thing was she liked to party and fuck and be the mother of all of these people who are already old enough to agree with her and want to do but then she wanted her son like she wanted to have it both ways and like it it's the 70s you know like and same with like roller girl like you saw her in school like she was trying hard to like figure it out and then like the dudes at the school were fucking assholes and so she wanted the free she doesn't take off her skate she gets what she wants you know in her way Mm -hmm. i think it's a lot of it is a commentary on society like that time and how hard it is for a woman to even be able to come up with a distinct desire in this world yeah you know like you're not useful in the 70s if you're a, a woman like to to capitalism to industry to whatever you know you would have to fight so much fucking harder and so i think a lot of this was like the you know last remnants of free love trying to like get freedom it also could be that the men's characters desires are more outward and the women's characters mm-hmm. desires were more like yeah. internal yeah that's an interesting point, though, because I, I, I think that you could probably find a moment where every male, main, or sub-character clearly states what they want. Maybe with mm-hmm. the exception of Philip Seymour Hoffman, because that's no, I want to kiss you on the mouth. I want to kiss you on the mouth. He right actually now. does. He says, right I want to kiss you. But, but we don't really hear those sort of mission statements made by the female characters, which right. is maybe why it's less clear. Or if we do, you know, you, we could sort of argue that Roller Girl sort of makes that mission statement uh, in that scene where she's talking to Amber but that's I want you to just, be my mom. Yeah, like but that's just them. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah. it's like never stated to a male character. Yeah, and that, well that's also when she's like I'm going to go back and get my GED. GED yeah. yeah. And take a pottery class. But we don't learn that about her until that's toward the end of the movie. Yeah, that's but like did, an she, hour but and a half did she know that about her? Um maybe not until that point. Right. Is that what you mean? Like, yeah. Maybe she, like that was like to... a moment of like clarity for her. Mm-hmm. She is kicked around for quite a bit of the movie before we know what she actually wants. We also have to remember that she's very young and yeah. like. <laughs> but the same thing seduced into this world, just like Eddie from Torrance. Right. <laughs> you know. But yeah, I mean, this is why this movie is like, it's very complex. So it's like kind of difficult to, at least for me to to it's discuss also very in this context. Long. Yeah. Very I had to long. take a walk. It's two and a half hours long. Yeah, that exceeds my uh, attention span, but I did my best. 
Wait, you so you've seen it countless times. Countless. So you spent like days worth of time. Probably at this least movie. two days of my life yeah. has been watching Boogie Nights, and I love it. I mean, uh, Titanic is three and a half hours long. I've probably oh, I've seen it fifty times. Yeah, we've maybe a whole week. Yeah, I've has spent been dedicated. probably at least three days watching The Jinx. I wow! Say. Hell yeah, dude! I've seen it like I think ten times, all the way through, top to bottom. No bathroom breaks. <laughs> No did you wear, did you wear, he's innocent. Do you? <laughs> I am on a piss strike. I am announcing it now on this podcast. Two years. <laughs> hey, here's a question. In The Big Lebowski, whenever the dude meets Jackie Treehorn, mm-hmm. is that, I wonder if that's a, a vague allusion to. Well, Jack Corner, isn't that Jack like Corner. a nursery rhyme? Little Jack Well, yeah, Corner I mean, that's a fake name. Jack Corner, yeah. Yeah, they all cho- I'm gonna chose go like porn yeah. names for themselves. <laughs> I should have chosen a porn scout name for myself. Oh yeah! Actually, I had one. What was it? <gasps> what? Because my boss Repressed made memory. my boss made me business cards to hand out that I never did. I never handed a single one out to anyone. Oh really? Why? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you should start handing them out now. Yep. I might still have them. Oh just, my god! I want one. Sex, Caitlin. My, I, kept, <laughs> I kept my first name, but my last name was Kelly. Caitlin Kelly. With three I'm eyes. I'm so horny right now. <laughs> That's a great name. Uh, I thought you were going to say your name was like Sexina. Oh, that would have been good. Fuck guy. Horsewoman. <laughs> That's me. Caitlin the hog. Caitlin, big old hog Kelly. Hogs out. <laughs> Hogs out, Kelly. Grow up. Dogs out, Kelly. <laughs> oh, uh, let's let's do uh, our general tests. Uh, Aristotle, if we forget any less... No. Uh, steampunk imagery in this movie, I'm happy to report, very low. Yeah. Is there any steampunk imagery that Not I that think I of? noticed? Not a rogue gear. And there's well, two magicians God. in the movie. There's two magicians, and yet... They suck. And so <laughs> steampunk culture is not glorified. I'd like to point out that Josh Androsky is currently vaping. <laughs> What's that? What He's got the smell of vision, alive. dude. It smells like fucking oh. coffee. <laughs> it smells like breakfast in here, baby. Um, what else? Uh, there's no bald women in this movie, so no. we can't apply our bald woman test. What else is We there? did uh, mention Titanic already. We did mention Titanic. We said grow up. Did we say I'm triggered? If not, I'm triggered. I've said it a couple times. You uh, Okay, you've been triggered quite a bit. Yeah. In this, <laughs> this is a very triggering I've never episode. Been, I've never, what? Women in STEM? <gasps> there's in no STEM. women in STEM in this movie. You know movie. what? <laughs> it doesn't pass the Bechdel test. Wait, wait no, doesn't it? Because she no! your GED. I was gonna say that's not STEM. I wish that Roller Girl had had a more defined desire. She wanted to go back and get her GED to specifically go on to be a woman in STEM. Hold on, I want to be a woman in STEM. Hold on, Julianne Moore explains the process in which a chemical enters your body, cocaine, to Marky Mark the first time he does it, which is chemistry. That ain't STEM, baby. There's also a lot of chemistry in this movie. <laughs> that ain't STEM, baby. Show me Where's Julianne the Moore the chemistry, and Heather Graham in a lab. The chemistry between Julianne Moore and Mark Wahlberg during that first sex scene when she says to come in her. Oh, like oh, romantic chemistry. Hey, who's having fun? Who's having fun? funny. Who's having fun? Okay. Josh was doing a funny we didn't realize. What do we got? What's up? Degrees. Degre- oh, how many degrees do you have? I have two degrees. I mentioned one of them already, a film degree from Penn State. God, you just can't stop. I can't. <laughs> and then I have a second 
a master's degree in screenwriting from Boston University. I still just got my one in radio broadcasting. I dropped out of high school, <laughs> much like Roller Girl. Mm-hmm. I'm the Roller Girl of the Los Angeles East Side alternative Whoa. comedy scene. I kept wanting to like be able to draw parallels from like the porn industry to like the comedy community. It's very similar. I think so. You're listening to 889. <laughs> <laughs> this is Oh, I forgot in the other episode where I did my R&B late night radio show was I gave the wrong name to the show and the, the actual name of the show is way better. It's You're listening to The Secret Spot. Oh no. Ooh, that yeah. sounds like a Luis Guzman club name. <laughs> The Rodriguez brothers? It's supposed to be a G. <laughs> <laughs> and all he wants, he just wants to be in one of the movies. Yeah. Yeah. He wants to be fucking a lady, which he doesn't get to do, but they he wants his brothers cameo. to see him fucking a lady. No, but his brothers get to see him d- betraying Chess Rockwell and Reed Roth. Or wait, Chess Rockwell and what was Dirk Diggler's fake name? Brock, Brock, Brock Landers. Landers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he gets punched and falls way too early. Oh. <laughs> Uh, can we tell? Oh, one of my favorite jokes in the movie is they're going shopping with uh, the money that like Dark Diggler now has from like being yeah. a star. And they have a pair of shoes, and someone goes, Oh, are they lizard? And he goes, No, they're Italian. <laughs> 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 Loved it. My other favorite thing is Jesse St. Vincent in her oil paintings and how oh, yes. so bad they are. Oh, very bad. But that's another thing where it's like that she very quietly has an ambition and doesn't talk about it. She doesn't externalize right, it like true. the men do. And then also, um, what's her name um, that Don Cheadle was with? Becky yeah. Barnett. Becky Barnett also just like gets out of the industry, mm-hmm. marries a, a a man that she clearly liked more than Don Cheadle. Right. Uh, he and, worked at Pet Boys. Yeah, he was in the auto industry. Right. <laughs> They moved Pet to boys. Bakersfield and she was she got married and she was super happy and she was totally she seemed like the most well adjusted one out of all yeah, of them yeah. and got the fuck out and was super quiet about it. And so I think there is definitely something to the idea of the men just so externalizing their desires and the women internalizing them more. And and but I think she out of everybody because everybody else's success comes at hitting a real bottom. Right. And as the movie has it. She Becky Barnett, out. she yeah. gets out, she gets a family, she's mm-hmm. living in Bakersfield with her husband who's got a nice job for that, you know, for like the early 80s. Middle like, management, baby. Yeah. Bring yeah. it. Uh, yeah, that is interesting. I, for, I kind of forgot about Becky. Um, well, she gets very little screen time. She, she yeah. and Jesse St. Vincent don't have a ton of screen time. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I I, I was I, I kind of forgot about that. And it's funny because I think it would be sort of like an easy gag to be like, oh, and Jesse St. Vincent sucks at painting. But no one in this movie is very good at anything, right. regardless of gender. Everyone's kind of fucking mediocre right. and just scraping by like. You know, Amber's documentary is not good. John C. Riley is not good at poetry or magic. Right. <laughs> like, everyone's sort of fucking... Dirk even, is a uh, horrible singer. He's a... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's kind of sad. Like, all of their ambitions with... I don't know. I can't... I don't know if I can think of an I exception. Mean, Jack Horner's movies suck. Yeah. Oh, I was yeah. just about to say. They suck. They're not good. And, I mean, sure, like, low-budget porn movies aren't gonna be... But, I mean, those are high-budget for but the he, time. Oh, sure. And then he, he kept saying, like, I want to make 
films. I want people Drama. to. I want people to sit and watch and stew God, in their own cum, so, yeah. just because they're so engaged with the story. Well, I think the thing is that, and and this gets to another reason why I really like this movie is that it portrays sex workers as just people. Mm-hmm. These people yeah. are they're they're not great. They're not bad. Like they're somewhere in between. They're just human beings. Mm-hmm. Even, like, the new trailer where, like, it's, like, the so-called feminist movie where they, like, accidentally kill a stripper, you know? It's, like, fuck you. Like, yeah, like, they this, this movie's portrayal of sex work is, like, an honest thing that just people do and then leave or then go back to or whatever. It's the same as anything. It's the same as any people. And I think right. that is a really underplayed part of the movie is that just how fucking real all these people are. And they also happen to be sex workers right yeah i'm on board co-signed you know what i would like to take credit for all that (laughs) (laughs) i like to co-sign but now it's mine yeah Yeah. well as uh, when you agree to do this podcast if you give any like cool and good opinions they actually become ours that's that's fine that's a contract should have read the fine print of the or listen to the podcast once before i did it (laughs) i'm gonna flip the table i'm gonna flip the table It's that's really all I ever want to do in my whole life. If I flipped a table today, I could die tomorrow and be totally fine. Well, you got to wait to flip that table. Uh, it's got to be the perfect table. Because if you waste gonna... it on this, I okay. It's barely a table, folks. My here's how I think this is gonna go. I'm gonna live to be 94 years old, be on my deathbed, and my great great grandchild be like, "Hey, you, me, me, moo, me, moo, did you ever flip that table? <laughs> and I'll say, I'll look at my tattoo, which reminds me to do it. And I'll say, no, I never did. And she'll set up a table and then I'll almost flip it, but I'll die in the middle. Wait, <laughs> no, here's how it. I no, want it to happen. Tr- Wait, no, no, here's how it should happen. So you're oh, on a, you. you're on a boat. You're very oh, old. I'm going to die on a boat? Listen. Oh, Titanic. So, yeah. Okay. So <laughs> you're going to be like. I've told my story about always wanting to flip a table and then you're going to flip a table over the edge of a boat and it's going to sink down into the water and then you're going to go to sleep that night and die and then go to heaven and you're going to see... Don't even start with the heaven scene. I like tears jumped to my eyes. Just Wait, in Titanic, do they go to heaven? Titanic ends in heaven. They go to heaven. I'm sorry. I haven't seen the movie a lot. I still think think it's a dream. They go uh, to heaven. It's not a dream. (laughs) It's real life. (laughs) And it's so sad because they walk in and you're like, it's all the B character, no C characters. And then. Oh, they got to hang out here too. And then they're all there. Fabrizio. Yeah, what's the, that's not the version of heaven. heaven. Bitch. Uh, well, there's a lot of parallel heavens. I don't understand why that would be. <laughs> Hold on. You can't just <laughs> zoom right by that. There's a lot of parallel heavens. Oh, we're all aware of that. What? Also, why would everyone heaven, has their own? Why would heaven be the place where you die? No, all those people died on the ship. Why would their version of heaven be like, oh, do you remember the ship that killed me? I'm gonna start this crying. Where... So, wait, Jesus is just on the cross in heaven, just hopping around on like the bottom that's of the not cross. His heaven. But what if it's mine? Then he—that's what he's doing. Well, then where is he? He has to know a little bit in his heaven that he's doing that in mine. It's parallel, Jesus. What if heaven is like you get plugged into the Matrix or like whatever Ugh. Matrix program you want, and then you're like, "This is how I just don't make this into sci-fi." I'm having fun with my heaven. <laughs> <laughs> my heaven would be, you know, what my heaven would be yeah that last scene in Titanic. 
<laughs> Except I am Fabricio's girlfriend. That's Aww. what it was. So you're be. even a minor character in your own heaven. Ah, fuck yes. Yeah, like at the beginning, I cast myself. I only have 45 seconds of screen time in wow. my own movie. Wow. Mm-hmm. It's real, it's it's round. We're going in circles just like <sighs> we're on wheels. Man, my, like blood roller roller my blood pressure is insane right now. Why? Did you bleed a lot or something? <laughs> no. <laughs> I feel like my blood's about to burst out of my body. Oh, yeah. That would be weird. I have all my orifices. Yeah. There's that'd a surprising really amount. decided bleeding. Yeah. <laughs> There's a surprising amount of uh, murder um, in. There's a lot of blood. There's a lot of blood. A lot of blood for people's heads and mouths. In in what? In Titanic? No. <laughs> no. They cut that all out. I was like, can we talk about Titanic now? No. Oh. Remember when they used the necklace to strangle all those people? Well, there's murder in both movies. There we can t- wait. You know what? I'd love to keep talking about Titanic. I would not. not what I just this thought about, about. I just thought about Boogie Nights. I'm like, I'm bored. I want to talk about Titanic. <laughs> Nights is so good. Does anyone have any uh, thoughts? Not Some, good. Any... There's not heaven in it. Yeah, there is heaven in it. No, there There's heaven in Boogie Nights. Where? Heaven in Boogie Nights is the fucking when they all are dancing together and they all have a group dance routine on the disco. That's a metaphor. Yeah, for heaven. Yeah, everything's but not great, real heaven. And we're never gonna die. Titanic. That's Titanic. heaven. Titanic's real heaven. And then wait, you take his hand and then it pans up and hey, it's the captain. End of movie. <laughs> I'm triggered. Um, can we talk about the scene where Dirk Diggler pulls out the Hogs huge out. dick? Hogs out. That Hogs they've been out, talking baby. about. First of all, I like that Hogs this movie out. is basically an extended objectification Hogs. of a man based on his dick size. Yep. He's just treated mostly as a commodity. They're like, "You're, we're going to make money off you because you're a huge dick. Mm-hmm. And that's what this movie is about. Um, and you're too stupid. Like his mom's just like, you're too stupid to know anything. Yeah. We're going to be something. Oh, that, yeah. That, that, another hard scene to watch. Yeah, especially because he almost fucked his mom. <laughs> Again, God, I don't. I would, I would have forgiven everything if they had just get, give me a little kiss. Oh. <laughs> oh. What if he was like, mom, give me a little kiss? <laughs> He's like, mom. I do mom. not endorse this. Mom! Mom! Okay. Give me a little kiss! I want to kiss my own mom! Let's talk about the scene where he pulls his dick out. <laughs> In front of his mom. <laughs> Hog Moms coming soon <laughs> to TBS. Very funny. Hog Moms. I'm going to pass out. I need more oxygen. Okay. Old hogs. Aristotle yep. just left because he can't handle. I I bet he's doing. He's, he's jerking an off. Aristotle poop break. <laughs> no, he's jerking off. We haven't had one of those in months. We haven't. No. He's jerking off, and someone's paying him ten bucks, but he'll be thinking about a hog mom. <laughs> Wait. Oh, okay. So this is what I was thinking about about hogs. Okay. Old hogs. Wild hogs. Is that like a hogs reference? I mean, look. What isn't? But is it? I don't. I've never seen wild like hogs, old, but, but I it's assume like about motorcycles. But it's like also like old dicks. Well, no. So you're confusing old no dogs. Dicks. You're you're confusing about. old dogs with wild hogs, which I totally understand. But they are two very different movies. Isn't there old hogs? <laughs> no, that is a that that is a genre. That is just a genre. That's not a movie. That's AARP pornography. If you go, yeah. <laughs> if there is a. Um, I purchased whippets last night at the exotic boutique right by my house. There is an entire section of pornography that is like one of the titles was "Oops, I fucked your grandma." Where, <laughs> is, where do you get whippets? At the porn place. I do want everyone to know rag- that I am the whippet comedian. <laughs> God damn it! I'm going to be the Doug Benson of whippets. I didn't know how many. 
I'm going to do all my shows at 3.11, which is the time to vape and do whips. Getting, getting whipped with it. Your theme song can be getting whippy with it. Yeah. There is literally a song called Whip It. There is 100% artists over Whip It. No. You don't need to do any work for no, it. you got to write a Getting different song. Whippy. Oh, boy. Getting whippy with it. Wow. That's so much extra. All right, deal. You can hire out the person who wrote the Bechtelcast theme song to write. Who's that? Mike Kaplan wrote the lyrics. Okay. We George were like. vaping again. I can see it in my peripherals. And I'm going to scream. It's 311. Okay. Okay. You know what? Turns out there is steampunk culture in the room. What are you talking about? With Josh's <laughs> weird chrome steampunk vape. Look, it's either this like or I die from feet. cigarettes. It's like as long as a bugle. <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous. If I push one of the buttons, a little flag unfurls. It says, bang, you got vaped. <laughs> he keeps he keeps blowing out smoke cl- uh, It's clouds. not smoke, it's vape. He keeps vaping little cogs out of his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and suede vests. Um, I hate it. Uh, hey, does anyone have any final thoughts about the movie? I like it. <laughs> um, Very poignant. Do you Thank talk you about how it passes the Bechdel test? Oh, yes. Because so, it does. It does. A couple different times. Like, I was pleasantly it, surprised. And then the first five minutes it does. With the, I gotta pee. Yeah. Yeah. Roller girl rolls up to Amber at the table, and, she, and Amber's like, hey, did you call that girl? You gotta get that checked out. If you don't call tomorrow, you won't be able to get to see her. Yeah. Presumably, she has a UTI or an STI or something. Right. She resonated with me. Up. <laughs> like, imagine someone, try, you know, like, if you have a UTI and someone tries to talk to you and you're like, huh? Like, there's someone tries to dance with her. She's like, I got to go. Yeah. Yeah. I'm on fire. Then it happens again. There's a montage where we see a few different scenes between Amber and Roller Girl again. They're doing a bunch of coke. Yeah. Roller Girl's like, let's take a pottery class. I want to get my GED. It lasts for maybe 15 seconds, and then it cuts back, and then she they are talking about Dirk for a minute. They're like, I miss him. But right. then she's like, be my mom. Will you say that you're my mom? And she's like, yes, honey, I'm your mom. And that's arguably the most intense part of the entire movie. Like, yeah. like yeah. I mean, it's a super intense movie at parts, but I mean, it's... It, to me, it it's more intense than the violence. It's more intense than any of like the actual physical violence done. Is just the emotional violence of that scene. It just they're so desperate and they need each other so much, and this world has given them fucking nothing, and they just have each other, and it's like so intense. Yeah, I've got a I got a vape. Yeah, <laughs> you got to vape this one off. I got to vape, vape, this, vape one this one. I got to go pull an Aristotle. I want to talk about, just real quick, the romantic relationships or sort of lack thereof. Mm -hmm. Like, maybe Jack is, like, dating slash with Roller Girl and Amber. We're not really sure. Like, no one's really together. Like, they're fucking on screen, like, on camera all the time. But no one, like, really has, except for, like... Don Cheadle and um, Jesse, Jesse St. Vincent, the people who like get together and then they they pair off and then they basically leave the industry are like really the only ones who are like managed to like sustain a a, like a solid romantic relationship. Everyone who stays in it, which like stands to reason. I mean, right. Like, right. Imagine trying to sustain a relationship where you're just like, oh, but you got to go fuck my friend for money. Right. But also like it seems like. Amber and Jack have an understanding. You know, they have a mutual respect. Like almost like a Hefnery kind of. But not even, I wouldn't even say Hefnery because Jack, for as fucking weird as he is, 
And and correct me if I'm wrong. As a man watching it, Jack never came off like a creep, like the colonel or even the other the guy that it was the dying guy in Magnolia. That that was the videotape guy. Oh right, like, right, right. All of them like were fucking creeps. But to me, Jack never seemed like a creep. He just seemed like he was like, I run a business and I know you're the type of people that would be in this business. You need me. I need you. And let's have an understanding. Right. He didn't seem to exploit anyone more than necessary. Well, more than they wanted to be exploited (laughs) for a moment, at least, you Mm -hmm. know, and then afterwards, like he stopped. And and the the only true moment of exploitation you really saw at the hands of a woman with Jack was that limo scene. And Jack almost murdered the man afterwards that did it. You know, I feel like. It is obviously um, problematic, but like well, there he, was an understanding. We could speculate as to why he only went after him after he said, "Well, oh, your movies suck now, anyway," and right. that's what triggered him to go and like beat the Hashtag shit trig- out of him. Hashtag triggered. Trig- trig- and then it was Roller trig- Girl who's like, "You disrespected me," and then she stomps on his face with her right. roller skates. Um, so I, who knows if he if part of? I mean, he was talking about like, "Hey, this this is a woman. Don't treat her like just that's a true. hole, like in the fucking you know limo." So. I mean, right. obviously, yeah. yeah, you could posit it that it was his, his the, it, the slight to his own ego that made him do it. I could totally see that. Mm-hmm. But it just was interesting to me in a movie where it would have been so easy to paint people with such broad strokes. Paul Thomas Anderson did such a great job of, like, finely detailing. The three mm-hmm. names. Yeah. 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 Uh, no, I uh, Jack's character is, is interesting to me. Like, because I don't think that he's a pervert either. But it's just like his – I feel like his whole – narrative is just like this really sad desperate search for integrity of mm-hmm. some sort yeah that, yeah and he, he and it seems like he treats every area of his life with that approach of like i'm gonna approach the people i work with with integrity i'm gonna try to approach my my own work with integrity and none of it uh, is great or works out well but it's like i i feel like he always compromises it he always compromises it when push comes to shove but like wants to believe that he's this principled alpha boy there's a scene as everyone else is deteriorating and their lives are going to shit his also sort of is because first of all he had to like compromise and switch to video which he didn't right. want to do yeah. and then he's directing a movie with uh with john jesse. doe or that whatever yeah the little boy and then the jesse plemons of this movie and and and, <laughs> and uh and jesse st vincent's like is he gonna fuck me in the ass and he's like i don't know do you want him to and she's like yeah that'd be great he's like all right fuck her in the ass like yeah. he just he's just he's kind of given up he's like well i'm not i can't you know what is that this isn't directing right (laughs) this isn't the art i was making drama drama sit in your cum i do like the scene where whenever the dirk comes back and's like i need help can you help me and he's just like give me a hug old pal they make up yeah yeah i I, but but it is god those characters are so weird and I think that Julianne Moore's character is kind of this, like, uh, people who, like, get off on being needed by yeah. people around them. Like, I think that Amber and Jack are both like that in a way that I feel like in real life is so weird. Codependent like, and poisonous. Yeah, yeah, where they're like, you know, I know that you fucked up and I probably shouldn't forgive you, but I need to feel important. So I'm going to make this big show of forgiveness. And and then you're just like, oh, this is not... This is just going to fall to shit again for sure. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, most of the people of in the movie have pretty severe emotional baggage. I mean, like we said yeah. before, uh, one of the reasons that 
Dirk leaves and like enters into this this enterprise is because his mom like was horribly horny. Um, okay, not is that where you were say, going? I was gonna say horribly emotionally horny. <laughs> she was very emotionally horny. and verbally abusive. Okay, yeah. uh, she grow up, Daddy. Wow, now, 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 now. Marky Mark kiss. <laughs> yeah. Hey, cook Daddy. Come yes. check this out. Oh, Shut do up. I have to? Shut oh up. man. Like, no. I'm just okay. like cook Daddy. I'm Cut just... to directed by Joel and <laughs> But I'm the so Joel triggered. Cohen that made okay. Garfield. <laughs> We're going to make Caitlin kill herself. <laughs> I'm going to flip a table. Yeah. The, his mom was very uh, emotionally and verbally abusive. And, you know, he had a Wouldn't horrible Wouldn't even get some once. <laughs> <laughs> so he had to leave. And so, like, I mean, we don't know a lot of other people's backstories or any really, but we can kind of imagine that they all have a lot of uh, emotional baggage. That Except Cosmo, the Chinese boy who throws fireworks. <laughs> He, who is the true hero of the tale? Oh man, that scene is oh god! It's just one hard scene to watch after another. That yeah. scene is not hard to watch. Yes, it is. That I scene is the easiest scene to watch. Scene. That it's, scene is such a payoff after so much brutal, fucking awful shit. It's just funny. It's funny, but it, I mean, with the firecrackers going off, oh it's yeah, so it's startling. Very, yeah, no, that's so true. Startling, that's true. and I love how they're so jumpy. It's just the most tense. Yeah. Scene. It is literally hard to watch in that it, it, there's booms and bangs throughout it, but it's not hard to watch like emotionally. Sure, no, yeah, I, yeah exactly. But yeah, oh, man, oh, that seems so funny. And Tom Jane, what a performance by Tom Jane. Who's that? Tom oh, Jane, the, as, the dancer, the strip. Yeah, dancer. the strip, the stripper who comes in and ruins the heist at the oh, end. Who's yeah, Reed's yeah. friend? Uh, but yeah, Tom Jane fucking kills it as the Chippendales dancer turned coke addict, turned guy who introduces them all to crystal meth. Uh, and I love yeah. watching his car. Like as soon as uh, Tom Jane introduces them to Crystal Meth, then you just the next time you see uh, Dirk Diggler's car, it looks like absolute shit. <laughs> like throughout all the coke, his car looked fine. But then the minute he was like, because that was also the first time that he was a dick to Roller Girl was when Tom Jane was like, "Careful, to only do bumps. This is Crystal." And and fucking Dirk Diggler's like, "I don't fucking like." He just takes a whole rail, and then Roller Girl comes in. And she's like, "How are you?" And he's like. Yeah, whatever, yeah, whatever. whatever. Yeah. It yeah. is. I, I was impressed with how long Dirk Diggler is decent to people in this movie. He yeah. gets pretty far. Like peak Philip Seymour Hoffman, like, I'm such a dummy, but I'm so horny. Uh, that's every Philip Seymour Hoffman character ever. But Marky Mark handles it rather well. And he's like, no. But I love you, and I you're my you, friend. Scotty. Yeah, we'll be friends, yeah. And then, Scotty. And then he leaves, and it was like, oh, what a sweet little buff teenager. Yeah, yeah. He, he was such a sweet teen meat. He was sweet teen beef. Sweet <laughs> teen beef. Sweet teen beef. Kiss your mom. Sweet teen beef daddies out there. Hubba hubba. Friends room, of the cast. <laughs> Hogs out. Hogs out, baby. Hogs out, sweet teens. <laughs> Uh, of consenting ages, of course. If oh, you're of consenting age, oh, whip out that hog. <laughs> oh, That's buddy. why I say in public at night. Whoa, my phone just buzzed and said, time for bed. <laughs> 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 Look, it said time for bed. <laughs> yeah, can confirm. Go to bed, 4 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> why did it do that? I don't know. You got to go to sleep now. You talk too much about teen beef. Time for bed, time for bed, time for bed. <laughs> 
Well, guys, does anyone have anything else they want to say about the movie? Oh, is it the 20 minutes ago? Uh, Alfred Molina steals the scene. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. What a- the one scene, the only scene that mattered. If that movie was just that scene, I'd love it just as much. <laughs> I would like to draw out the comparison of uh, Alfred Molina's scene stealer in Boogie Nights to uh, Christopher Walken's scene stealer in Geely. Which is another uh, movie we've done on the cast <sighs> that uh, that Caitlin gets upset just thinking about. I'm furious right now. Geely, you're making furious. me vape. You're driving me to vape with yeah. this Geely talk. I'm sorry. It's a really good scene. Christopher Walken clearly has food he brought from craft services and has it in the scene the whole time. Right. We could hear you vaping. Oh my god! I'm trying to do it as audibly as possible because I do not care at all about this story. What a loud vape! <laughs> I'm the um, Pete Holmes of vaping. <laughs> should we should we rate the movie? Yes. Okay. What's your scale? Oh, zero to five nipples. Nipples. And nipples being great. Five nipples is the highest score. Nipples are good. Well, duh. You got to describe them. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you guys go first, or do you want me to go first? You go last. Because <laughs> you're a man. Put your muzzle back on and Ooh, shut I just up got for, mad a for a second. But now I'm okay. Oh, no. He's vaping too much. <laughs> He's out of control. <laughs> He's in the mainframe. <laughs> he vaped too much. I hacked in. <laughs> he hacked into the mainframe with his I digital see vape. everything. <laughs> Numbers are color. <laughs> How many oh, nipples right. would you give it, though? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, again, I, 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 this movie is. It's a hard one. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> a little Muppet noise. I mean, I, I guess <laughs> three and a half. It's again, so hard. it's a movie about people working in porn, which again is an industry that revolves almost entirely around objectifying people. Although uh, I think there are may, maybe some recent developments in the porn industry where people are kind of like taking back power and like, this is porn for women and by women. And it's not so horrible. Yeah. Cause it's, everyone's going to come all the time. Right. You're never going to stop people from coming. You could just stop the people from getting hurt to make other people come. Please stop reading my uncle's tombstone. <laughs> <laughs> <in the> podcast. <laughs> Incredibly triggering, unbelievable. I guess RIP Uncle Louie, <laughs> we miss you. I, I, for... Hey, this is me, Uncle Louie. <laughs> I'm, 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 hey, I'm down here in hell. Let me tell you, <laughs> I'm getting my hog ripped <laughs> off every day. It's a dream come true. Wait, he's getting his hog ripped off? Oh, it's so good. <laughs> Who knew? Who knew this is what made it? There's so many different versions of heaven, you know? Right? Your of... Uncle Louie is getting his dick ripped off every day. Hey, he should call that uh, the doctor who gave birth to you twice because he did a penis transplant. Oh, we should add that to the Wait, list. What was yeah. I born in May or August? We don't know. <laughs> um, How many so, nipples? Okay, I, I'd yes. say like three and a half. Again, good points were made, but I still wanted to see women have. I just wanted to see them be more ambitious or have like more clearly defined desires that were a bit more cathartic because we see like the men be like, I got my, I got my stereo store now, or I'm a performing magician. And then like the women are just like, well, I kind of, I don't really do anything. But, um, for a movie that could have treated 
the female characters in it very poorly. Mm-hmm. It didn't. And it even addressed like violence towards women in porn. So I think overall it did a pretty good job. But I, I, ha- I still have some some complaints about it. Some, Hell yeah. Some notes. Some complaints. Some notes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give it three and a half as well. I think that's good. Uh, for all the reasons you said, and also there are some scenes where it's like, eh, we, we're using naked ladies as uh, set dressing in this scene maybe a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, we I do. Mean, they also linger on roller girl roller skating around like pretty much looking Headless at her Headless women in Hollywood style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Lots uh, of ass We shots. see that a bunch. Yeah, that's true. Um, so I'll give it three and a half as well. I'm going to give two two nipples, two hard troubled nipples to cuck daddy and <laughs> give one leaky faucet nipple to horny mommy and give a half nipple to the pervert who got beat up in jail. This is a five nip. This is a 525,600 <laughs> nipples. This is a five nipper for me. Okay. And defend yourself. Yeah, defend your nip choice. I mean, it's my favorite movie. <laughs> it takes interest. It takes a it takes a subject that is. I mean, this was 1997. Like eight eggs in a duffel bag, and like you know whatever. Like those. Like let's go kill a stripper. Like there was nothing at all about the adult industry that treated any of them like the human beings that they are. Mm-hmm. And it also was like the soundtrack was phenomenal. The movie was just like I just thought that the most complex characters in the movie were the most complex character in the movie to me was Amber. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody else was pretty straightforward. And Julianne Moore's performance at Amber or it, it, as Amber, like I fell in love with when I was 15 years old. Like I wanted her to be my horny mommy mm-hmm. uh, and I just like couldn't handle it. It's like her perform. I think it's one of the most like emotionally complex and like she's so much more developed than every other man every man because they their their wants and needs are so distinct and often so external they, they also quite delusional also a hundred percent delusional she just seems i don't know she's the anchor of that movie she's mm-hmm. the glue of the movie she's the jizz that glues the pages <laughs> shut in the script of that movie mm. i love her and I also like watching Roller Girls stomp the shit out of that fucking asshole. That ruled, yeah. That yeah. ruled. I don't know. I mean, I totally understand your three and a half nips. And uh, as a as a, a boy as a boy toy as as Oopsie Otter, <laughs> uh, I I am allowing myself the privilege to not get triggered. Priv. Uh, mm-hmm. Priv. I'm using my priv. And everybody's just themselves and, like, going through everybody, male and female, are just constantly playing with their looks. Like, that's a super underrated part of the movie is that constantly everybody's playing with their look. And Don yeah. Cheadle's, like... Dude, Don Cheadle's When he shows up as Rick James for some... <laughs> and then he finally takes off that stupid wig and just gets honest. Yeah. And, it, and then they fall they in love. They talk about sunrise. Is yeah. another better than sunset? Yeah. yeah. It's, like, the cutest thing. And then they have a baby and they are actually in love. Yeah. Yeah. I loved it. I thought it was super uplifting. And again, I the score is amazing. Dummies fall in love. Yeah, and that's what, that was like the best scene of like, you like the sunset? I like the sunset. Oh but, my God. But sunrise is but better. But sunrise is good. Oh, yeah. I feel the same way. I thought about I was the thing. only. I, yeah. It was nice. And I was like, yeah. oh. My other favorite moment from the movie is when I think it's William H. Macy is talking to, I want to say like the DP or something Ricky like J. that. 
and they're talking about the movie that they're supposed to shoot in a couple of days. And they're like, well, is there even a script? And they're like, I don't know. Like, they, yeah. they clearly just make up the scenes as they go. Story doesn't matter. And they're just fine with it. Well, there's a line that I also like whenever I make a thing like my friends and I make a thing. Uh, we always say like when we're lighting and there's shadows, shadows in life, dude. Mm-hmm. Like this, that, that just like, yeah, why are we going to light this? It's there's shadows in life. Right. Like that's their whole that's like a production mentality is there's shadows of life yeah that's the name of my new emo band all right (laughs) there's shadows in life i like sweet teen beef as my like fucking vroom vroom motorcycle music i was getting rubbed (laughs) everybody's just getting rubbed genderless rub non-binary rub sweet teen beef Oh, yeah, you just have to tag it with the name. Uh, so my nips belong to Cosmo. Two of them belong to Cosmo, oh. the Chinese. Cause those are firecracker nips. He's also wearing a Rick Springfield shirt uh, oh, while yeah. Jesse's Girl plays. Uh, they love Jesse's Girl. Um, two of my nips have to go to Julianne Moore's perfect pink nips, as that you've they mentioned. They are perfect. Uh, so I got one and a half more nips. One of those nips is the one that's poking out of Scotty's tank top uh, when his Scotty. arms are crossed. And the, the half nip, that's my man, Luis Guzman. Wait, Guzman's. are you giving the movie five and a half nipples? Yep. Five and a half nips. Because <laughs> okay. Luis Guzman puts it over the top. Uh, <laughs> you can't deny those nips. No. no. You can't deny those Guzman nips. Great. I feel good about all of our choices here today. We did it. Thank you so much. Thanks for being here. Hey, thank you so much. Hey, where can people find you online? Uh, you can find me at twitter.com backslash uh, help me. Oh, Gosh. at shut up Androsky. Cool. Yeah, you're going to read it. You're hey, looking at it. Uh, fan, fans want to know, where'd you get that horrible vape? <laughs> Burbank, California. Awesome. Let's burn it down. <laughs> I run a show uh, here at Nerd Melt every month called Reunited. Mm-hmm. That's fun and good. And the next one's April 9th. Question sure. mark. Why should I know? I'm just the program director. And I'm just the person who I have hasn't no dog in this fight. put any work into it yet. I I'm think it's in two card. weeks. Sounds I'm right. a wild card. I don't care. Yeah, come. It's me and Brian Cook, and we make fun of stuff that, from TV, and we've had Greg Proops and also um, uh, so many people that are good. Karen Kilgariff played a ghost once. It was Ooh, great. that rules. Mm. Hey, Jamie, do you want to plug what? anything? No. Your new band. No. Your my, new band, Sweet my Teen new band. No shadows in the desert. What was it called? <laughs> shadows in life. Shadows in life. I exhaust myself. You don't need to pay attention to me this week. <laughs> you can check out my new hit single, Getting Whippy With It. <laughs> and you also... made me laugh vape out. <laughs> Ooh, vape out. <laughs> <That was> a... <laughs> I need to... I'm going to bury you alive. Hell yeah, dude. I'm down. Let's go Hell to the beach. Yeah. All right. Beach All right. time. You can also follow the, the <laughs> podcast on Twitter at Bechtelcast, and you can rate and review us. On... Hey, we got more reviews. We got more reviews. They're, all positive. Thanks, nice. guys, for, for reviewing us. We really appreciate no it. No haters. And everyone, and just, you know, support movies that feature women and that treat women well. And, and treat the women in your life well. Yeah. If your horny mommy says, give me a little kiss, give horny mommy <laughs> nope, a little okay, kiss. No, okay, bye. Give mommy a kiss. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bye. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. 
If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 